0: Thanks again for joining us this week. Um, appreciate all the love and support we've been receiving. It's awesome. Uh, this week, we have another special guest for you. We have a professional soccer player actually change it up a little bit. We have uh, Philadelphia Union's very own Gregory Ranjit Singh. He is the goalkeeper. Um, say what up to the people, Greg? What's up, everyone?
1: Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited.
0: Thanks for coming, man. This is huge. Um, fun fact, before we kick off the episode, uh, Greg is actually the cousin of our very own co-host, Corey G. So, uh, shout out to Corey for making this happen. So, first question, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, who are, who's Greg and where are you from? Where did you grow up?
1: So, obviously, my name is Greg Randitsing, 27 years old. Um, a professional soccer player. I've been playing since... I mean, I guess eight years old, obviously playing before that, just in the parks with, you know, my family and stuff, but like started the, you know, the rep program in uh, in Unionville, Millican. Um, that was my first team growing up. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's been a long journey. I've been, you know, traveling around different teams over the past couple of years. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm happy, you know, the progress that I've made and where, where it's where it's gotten me and the people I've met and the connections and just how it's made me grown as a person on and off the field. So I feel like I have, you know, a lot to share about that, especially, you know, coming from, you know, the GTA, where there's just so much talent and so many kids that, you know, can make the jump to the professional game. So yeah, I'm excited to speak to you guys a little about that. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the talent
0: coming out of the GTA. It's pretty crazy what's, um, what's emerging these days, right? And you were kind of... Based off of your age, 27, you you're kind of the forefront of the generational shift Mm -hmm. in terms of seeing Canadian soccer and GTA soccer uh, climb Mm -hmm. to where it's at now.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, man, the GTA has, there's just so many talented players and I feel like it's getting better. Like the infrastructure for soccer in, in Canada, I feel like now we're getting a lot more opportunities for these young kids to play. Like we have the, you know, the Canadian professional league. That started up, um, I think, more eyes are on Canada and the talent growing up just because of we've had so many success stories in Europe and, you know, even in North America and the MLS. So I think the eyes are on Canada now, seeing, seeing that, like, you know, we've got a good pool of players. So yeah, I think it's exciting times for, you know, soccer in Canada. So I think we've got, you know, I think we're at the beginning of it. And we're going to have, you know, a lot of good years coming, uh, coming to us soon.
2: World Cup 2022, here we come. That's what yep. I'm gonna say. Uh, <laughs> but Benno, so you you mentioned how you started playing soccer at eight in in like a professional league before that, just in the park. But uh how did you get into it? Like was there someone who kind of said, Oh, here like let's play
1: soccer, or like how'd that come about? Well, I think I mean, so my background is so my dad's Trinidadian, my mom's Guyanese um and my dad played like in Trinidad I mean that's like I mean cricket and and soccer are the two most popular sports in Trinidad so he grew up playing he grew up playing both but mainly soccer so when I was I mean when I was a kid me and him would always play with his friends like you'd you'd be all his friends and they're all usually from Trinidad to the Caribbean meet up at a park put two shoes on the ground to make two little small goals and I'd be I mean I'd be a young kid running around playing with them um and you know I obviously enjoyed it um and so the when I was old enough to like play in like house league you know we threw me into threw me into that situation so I was like I was like when I was seven or eight and you know I did well my first year and that's like kind of when I guess you kind of make the jump to playing like rep soccer and like the academy soccer is nowadays but yeah that's I mean that's how I made my start just in the park and then house league and then Got seen to play for the Univille Millican Rep Soccer Club. Awesome.
2: So then what made you decide to go to go goalie? Because I'm gonna speak from the hockey angle real quick. The goalies I know in hockey, they got a couple of screws loose in their head. So
1: what <laughs> what made you choose goalkeeper? I'm gonna say this from now. I'm the most normal goalkeeper you'll ever meet. I am not like with those I think goalkeepers are weird. Isn't that what
0: they all say though?
1: <laughs> that is what they all say, but I'm telling you, I'm truthful. goalkeepers are weird guys. they' are weirdos. I'm not one of them. but how it started like I mean I started on the on on the field, you know, I was like a forward, just running around scoring goals. um I guess like when you're that young, there's no you don't you don't really become a goalkeeper that young. They kind of like everyone takes their turn in goal. and uh, I, I just remember this one training session like everyone got a chance to go in goal and like I was just flying around I just like jumping around and just throwing my body and yeah I was just all over the place I just had so much energy um and that's how it kind of like after that like I was thrown in goal and I mean, I mean when I was young I'd play some some games in goal like maybe at halftime I'd go out on the pitch and run around but you know as I got older it got a more serious and I was to be fair I did not like being a goalkeeper at all growing up. I was just, I was good at it, but I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. I just felt like, I felt like there's a lot of pressure on me. And like, I didn't play for the best teams growing up. So there'd be a lot of goals against, like I, it was, it wasn't great. I, I would say I wasn't very, I was, I was the best goalkeeper on my team, but not a very good goalkeeper in general. So it took me some years. Like I just think to kind of grow into that role. So it was a, it was a, it was a long process of me soliding myself. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a goalkeeper. So kind of little, little story on that. Interesting. So would there
2: be any like memory you have or like a moment that you have that you really cherish from that time?
1: Yeah, I would say I ha- I do have a very vivid memory. Um, and this is like huge, huge moment in my career. Um, and it wasn't a good memory. It was a bad memory. So, when I got a little older, maybe like 16 years old, I was like, obviously playing goalkeeper. And um, when I was 16, I was playing for like a men's team. Uh, oh, what are they called? I can't remember, but it was in Vaughan. And um, oh man, it was terrible. So I pull up to this parking lot and like, it's all these older guys and I'm sitting in the car and like, am not really enjoying it because I feel uncomfortable in those situations. And I'm playing, you know, with all these older men and um it was in this league called the CSL um back in the day so like some of the old like OG soccer guys would know about that league but um man I broke down in the car I was in the parking lot. And, like I was supposed to go to training and like I told my dad like he was sitting there I'm just like I don't want like I don't want to go to training like I'm done like I don't want to do this and I broke down in the car started crying and we drove all the way to Vaughn from Markham drove all the way back and I remember, like, there was a couple weeks, a month, I played no soccer at all. And, um, yeah, I was, uh, so I was going to Notre- – I moved um, – It was it from Mark? I was in Pickering at the time. So I was going to Notre Dame in Ajax, the high school, and I had a friend who went to school with me. Um, and he was playing for this academy called Sigma FC. Um, so really, like, successful academy. A lot of pros have come out of it. And um, so he like he knew I wasn't playing soccer at the time and he said, hey, come to one of the training sessions like this try it out. And this is when I was like, "Man, I've I wasn't playing for like a couple months now. And I'm like, I really want to do this again, like be a goalkeeper and go through all this again. And uh, well, I went to one of the sessions and I liked it. The team was good and I just kind of fell in love with it again. And from there on, that's when like me being a goalkeeper that like, took off, like I really enjoyed it. I loved the training. Just because I was in a good environment and, you know, they provided like they just provided the right environment for players to succeed. And that's kind of where so I went from like rock bottom to projecting my crew, like going like starting my path to professional soccer all in like a couple months. So it was a really big turnaround. But I remember that like I remember that for the rest of my life, that moment that's crazy that's a crazy story it, it uh
3: started low and went high so it turned out to be an amazing experience i guess um who were some of your mentors growing up on and off the field and who would you credit for some of the development that you have on the field now
1: i have a lot along the way i think when i was a young goalkeeper i had this goalkeeper coach he's he's crazy i need to, i need to reach out to him too and just, uh, like just let him know what I'm doing because I haven't really keep them kept in touch. But his name's Luca, some Greek goalkeeper coach I had playing for the academy. I didn't play for the academy; I would just go and train with him. And this guy was insane, crazy. Like we'd be jump, he would be throwing us around. He'd be pushing me on the turf, like throwing me around, just roughing me up. And like he kind of gave me that like killer mentality, that instinct, you know, that like. Hunger, you know, he was super crazy. He had so much energy, and like he actually had a heart problem too. That's why he had to stop playing for a guy with a heart problem. He was insane. So, I owe a lot of like just that passion for the game to him. Um, and this along the way, you know, I've just, I mean, my college coach, I owe a lot to him because that was another tough time that to, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the college career I had. Um, but yeah, growing up, I say, yeah, Luca, man, that guy, I owe a lot to him. He, he gave me that mentality.
0: That's awesome. I uh, having that one coach can really make or break an athlete's career and it sounds like he made it for you. So that's great. But um you touched on uh, university and said that was a little bit of a tough time for you. So you went to Mercer University down in the States, what was that experience like as a D one student athlete? And then also like the whole transition of moving to a whole new country, um living on your own. I don't know if it was the first time or not. Um what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was really tough at first. Um I didn't want to go to school. Like when I first got there, like he was in Georgia in the south, a huge culture shock. It's completely different to Toronto. You know, to have, Toronto, you got diversity, you've got just like you've got culture just throughout the city. You feel like comfortable. Anyone who comes to Toronto, they'll feel comfortable because they'll find they'll find something that, you know, they see in themselves or they, they're they are they are used to. I went to Georgia and it was like huge culture shock. I wasn't used to like Just the people, the environment and, you know, it was was a really tough transition, Um, especially just like moving away from home and not having anyone who like I knew. So like that was that was tough. And then just the balancing school and athletics was really tough for me because because I wasn't enjoying where I was, it made me like lose focus in I, would, I wouldn't say I lost focus in soccer because I, I think I put all my focus into soccer and wasn't able to balance the school aspect. So I was like, and I was not going to classes. Like I had a really bad GPA. I want to say my sophomore year, like a lot of guys know this. Like I had a 0.3 GPA in my sophomore year. Like that's like, how do you do that? You know what I mean? Like
0: I went to no... How are you, sorry, how are you still eligible?
1: Yeah, so Yeah so that fall semester soccer was really good i had like one of the like that's when like i really took it to the next level in in soccer so i focused all on that and didn't go to any classes i went to zero class i actually had a 0.0 and then i begged my computer science teacher to give me a d so yeah i like it was it was bad so i had so (laughs) i go home i didn't go to any of my exams i just didn't go um because at the time like I was just I just loved soccer I was just also all I wanted to do so I was like talking to my academy coach Bobby Smirniordi he's the he's the he was the head of Sigma now he coaches Forge FC in the CPL I was telling him like please get me somewhere like send me to Sweden send me to Scandinavia like I want to play like I want to play professionally like I know I probably am not ready to play in the big leagues but like let me work let me get me into like a European system I'll do whatever I can like that was my plan I was like yeah I'm gonna go play soccer professionally somewhere I'm gonna skip this college situation and uh so yeah I didn't go to classes and then off season comes around or not off season like December when school's off I get a call from my coach and he just lights me up like he's like what are you like why are you wasting my time like we've invested in you you know we give you scholarship we give you all the everything you need to succeed and you know you've kind of thrown it away. and that's when I was like kind of sitting down like you know he's right like I have I have opportunity to play soccer i have the opportunity to get a college degree and i'm i'm taking advantage of one but not the other so kind of sat back and i was like you know what like let me let me just you know buckle up grind and and get through this so in order for me to be eligible for the following year i needed to do a full class load 18 hours and i need a 4.0 in order for me to be eligible and i i took the chance and i i got it i got a 4.0 the following semester and yeah, full 18 hour class load, Dean's List, <laughs> Dean's List for the spring. So I went from 0.03 or whatever, 0.3 to like spring semester Dean's List. So that, that was my. Yo, that's impressive.
0: That is not an easy feat at all for anybody who has gone to college or university. Sorry, sorry, university.
1: Yeah. I had to get walked to all my classes. Like I had to go into the athletic department every morning sit down do two hours of study hall like i was in i was in jail prison like and then i had to get escorted to my classes by my assistant coach to make sure i went
0: holy like like one of those uh kids on um that netflix show let's like um shoot the name is escaping me help me right now um the basketball and football one oh uh, last chance you yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's always a few kids who they they need like that extra like supervision. That's kind of funny. That's cool.
1: Good for yeah. you though, man. Props to you. Yeah, it was, it was it was crazy, man. It was a crazy time. But I'm happy I went through it. I mean, I learned a lot from that entire experience. So, I mean,
3: just hearing that story is uh, again crazy. But I guess you've already touched up on it. But what would what would you say college taught you the most about yourself and life? And what was maybe your fondest memory off the field?
1: yeah, so college, I would say, man, that the most avali- that, was, that was like the most valuable couple of years of my life because, like I said, growing up, I didn't like I didn't play for the greatest teams. I wouldn't say I was the greatest keeper either, but like I just had like like I guess I get it from my dad, but like he has the greatest work ethic ever, like grinding because he came from Trinidad, he came from like nothing. Like if you see his house on Trinidad, it's like where he grew up with his brothers. It's nothing. He grinded, he made a life for himself in Canada and had me and my brother. And just to see his grind, like I applied that to soccer. And so like I wasn't the best soccer player. I wasn't I wasn't that good, but I grinded so much. Like I worked so hard. I had so much passion. Like after like I realized what I wanted to do. And like that's how I became successful. So when I went to college, like it was the same situation. Like I didn't go to like Mercer's not really a big school. It's like not it's not like the, the UNCs and like the UCLAs, like the, you know, the powerhouses in, in, in soccer and all that. So it was a grind. Like the program didn't have much money. Like we didn't have the nice facility. I mean, the facilities were okay, but like, you know, not like all the fancy stuff that you see some of these bigger schools get. So it was a four year grind. Like in Macon, Georgia, a really not good, it's not a great place in Georgia. It was like we were in the ghetto. So I just applied like, that hustle that grind and like just that mentality and like that's how i got to where i was like those four years like i got to play every single game i gained so much game experience and just like my work ethic just went through the roof like that's i think that's what i pride myself on is like my work ethic I, i'm gonna work harder than most people and like that's how i'm gonna attain it i'm gonna like really grind and hustle and yeah that's i think that's what i got out of the four years and my coach there brad russo who i love like he he's awesome like he also put like that was his mentality as well like hustle grinding working and like that's just what I applied to to football or soccer and and that's kind of how I got to where I was
2: that's awesome that's awesome to hear so following then your your college career you were probably like in the offseason kind of like in hiatus just going okay where does this take me and then you ended up signing I believe it was 2015. If I'm, if I remember the dates correctly um, in 2015, you signed with a brand new USL United soccer league franchise in Louisville FC, and you ended up spending four years there. I know you made lifelong friends while you're there and it culminated in the last two seasons being uh, back-to-back championships with you as the starter. So, you know, how did, how do you feel that helped you get to where you are today and and what besides probably the, the two championships that's, probably the most memorable moments, but what do you think is the most memorable moment to you besides those two?
1: Yeah, I think, so, I mean, with Louisville, I think this is a lesson that I think every single kid in, in Toronto or even a- anywhere, anywhere in the world, if they want to make it and they don't have like all like the the resources and on the best academy, this is the best lesson because this is how I got to Louisville. I was sitting in the off season, December, training with, 18 year olds like everyone was gone going back to school and i stayed back because i didn't have a team i didn't have a like i was done college and now like it's either i play professional or like what do you do like you go work you you have to find you have to do something so i was like every day like begging you know my coaches like can you find me something find me something i want to do like i want to go to europe like i didn't i didn't even know about the usl like surprisingly i didn't know much about it and um yeah, I was just going to these trainings with like these young kids. And like, it was a dark time. Like I had nothing every day. I'd go and like hear nothing, go back home. And like, you know, like no job, no nothing. My parents are like, what are you doing? Like you just have this college degree and like you want to play soccer, but like you need a plan. So literally what I did was I took things into my own hands, which I, people need to know this. Like you can't just, you need to do your own research. You need to do your own work. Like you can't just depend on the coaches to help you out. I emailed every single USL team I didn't even know the name the emails of the coaches I went and like contact us I found emails for ticket people and like can you get me in contact with the coach I emailed every single USL club in like myself send my own highlights and I got like a few emails from a few people like Richmond kickers were like oh yeah come to open tryouts like you can pay for this blah blah but Luckily, I was at a training session and I like, got back to my phone and said, oh, Louisville wants me to fly out and they want me to go on like a week trial. And then from there on, like I just had, I took that opportunity and obviously made the team. And then from there on, I had four great years. First year was a really big learning experience. I wasn't, the, I didn't start. I played under a goalkeeper named Scott Goodwin, who had a lot of experience. I learned a lot in the following year. I won the starting spot and then I played from then on and won two championships. But I think the beginning of that journey of me just reaching out myself, like knowing my body of work and not depending on people to do things for me and blind emailing these teams to get an opportunity for myself was the most important part of my career. Because if I didn't do that, who knows where I would have ended up. And I think the fact that like the stars aligned and I ended up at Louisville and it ended up being a really good situation. For myself, obviously, like, it's great. But the, how I got there, like, that I had to, like, put in that work, I think a lot of kids need to understand that. Then it shouldn't depend on just the coaches. They need, to, they need to do their own research. They need to be emailing and contacting these teams for opportunities themselves. So I think that's huge. That's
0: a great story. And that's great career and life advice in general. Because, I mean, so often we just sit back waiting for things to kind of just happen to us instead of, you know, taking the reins and making it happen. So good on you for doing that. So um, transitioning. So representing your home country, national country, is obviously very important, very special. So you had the opportunity to represent Trinidad and Tobago. Um, Why was that special for you? And what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, I mean, representing Trinidad and Tobago was awesome. Like, growing up, obviously, I, I mean... I grew up in Canada and I just have Trinidad in background. So I always wanted to play for the Canadian national team by the Corey. And I don't know. I know the viewers probably can't see the, the jersey, but Corey just put on the Louisville City jersey. Appreciate the love. But yeah, I think growing up, obviously I wanted to play for Canada. I had no idea about Trinidad. I just knew that like I had friends and I had teammates that like played with other guys who played in the canadian national team i'm like wow this guy's like on the national team like that's amazing and so it wasn't until like i was like yeah i think like my last year of high school i was like i can get a passport for trinidad through my dad and like maybe play for them because obviously at the time like it was really competitive to get into uh, the canadian national team so i wanted to look for you know another route to international football and trinidad was that that route for me so i got a passport through my dad it was pretty easy to get you know went to the embassy and got some paperwork and i ended up my first little sting with them was with the u20s and then after that when i went to the professional ranks like i guess they kept they kept an eye on me and they always they always kept an eye on me they always were in contact with me following my career and i just felt that like connection with them whereas like canada they were kind of there, had some like talks with them, but like nothing really solid, but Trinidad was just always there. They always showed me the love. Like, I mean, even to this day, like always checking up on me, even though I haven't gone to the camps lately, they're always in, they're always like sending invites and like, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been tough for me just because of the injuries and like the situation that I'm in with finding a club. Like it just didn't line up for me to go to these camps, but Trinidad has always shown me the love. And even when you go, even when I was there, like the passion, That that country has. Like it's a small country, but the amount of passion they have is amazing. So, you know, my first experiences were were big games. Like I didn't get to play in them, but just to be on the bench, part of like just in those environments, like away in Mexico in a World Cup qualifier. Like I was on the bench when they beat the US and knocked them out of the World Cup. So like these are like, I mean, this the passion you feel from that is amazing. So yeah, they've always shown me love and the experience has been great, you know. Hopefully you know things work out from the club end and that I can you know re, rejoin the national team because they've always shown me love and they you know they want me to join the team I just need to obviously make sure personal things and my club situation is sorted before you know I, I expose myself to international football again but I mean the passion and support they've shown me is amazing so I appreciate that from them and it's, it's just yeah it's a great experience whenever I get to go up there
0: that's crazy what's it like being like in a world cup qualifier like the whole like you're seeing like um landon donovan on the u.s side like that's that's just insane
1: yeah so the first time like i went we played in honduras in the u.s that was like the first world set of world cup qualifiers i went to and like honduras i like i knew some of the players but when we played the u.s like i was playing in the u.s at a time and like it was like pulisic and like josie Altador and like michael bradley and i'm like I was on the bench and like Pulisic was on the right, right side. I'm just like, yo, that's Christian Pulsic right there. Or Tim Howard and goal. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, these are guys I see on TV, but like me and them are on the same, like we're, it's them against, you know, us. And it's like, they're on a level, like they're not, they're no, they're not bigger than us. You know what I mean? Like we're on the same playing, like playing field. So for me at first it was like, you know, obviously, like when you see these guys, you're like, "Wow, this is incredible!" You know, it's like you're starstruck. But then you realize, like, "Yo, you deserve to be here." Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was it was a great experience at first to see all that. I mean, even like away in Mexico, the passion those fans have, like when they sing their songs. And you know, we I remember when we scored the first goal against them to go up one nothing uh bro you're getting beer sh- thrown at you from the stands like it's this it's crazy environment and, like they're, the bands they have too they're playing their songs like yeah there's nothing like international football there's just there's nothing like it It's a, it's just a whole different experience
0: oh, the fans go mad.
3: that's crazy one thing i can say is soccer is the most passionate sport out there towards fans fans are crazy for soccer like crazy for soccer we've seen it everywhere around the world but i just wanted to to shift gears towards your mls career uh you played on three different teams now tell us about your overall experience and some of the things you learned being on the team and having some of the players uh share that experience with you and maybe some of the perks of being a pro soccer player as well
1: yeah so i mean coming from usl and going to mls like you just i'm glad i went through the usl um pathway because it made me appreciate all these things at the mls level because when you get to mls like everything is i wouldn't say given to you but you just have so much at your fingertips like you have world-class facilities you get chartered flights like you get these amazing stadiums to play in like you have everything given to you It's, it's it's like it's amazing so i just every day i go into training and i just appreciate like I don't take anything for granted I'm like wow like this is amazing like where I from the pathway that I had to go and like grind through to like get here like this is awesome so from that standpoint like just super appreciative to walk into an MLS locker room for the past three years and be a part of this environment it's been great I learned a, I've learned a lot like it says it's been a different environment on every single team you know like in Orlando like like the team is mainly composed of like latin south american players latin players so like that's the vibe you get like in training sessions like you're spanish like i I was on duolingo learning spanish so i can speak to the defenders and speak to whoever in training like you're getting the world-class players like Luis nani in training like it, it, it's it's it was crazy you know what i mean so it took me a while to get used to like wow like first of all i have to speak spanish in training second of all like uh, Louis Nani is, is training with me. Like that's, that's insane. So that was cool from Orlando. And then, um, the coach that brought me in got sacked and along with that, like I, I left as well. Um, but you know, the staff at Orlando at the time there was great. And I was able to get picked up in the waivers draft by, uh, Minnesota United. And that was another great experience too. Um, even though like it was a, it was a strange year just being with, it was the, it was the COVID year. So, there was no fans in the stadium and we had that mls bubble um similar to like similar to like how the nba had their bubble and all that so we were like it was just a strange year but like a really cool experience you know and the team was really good like team was unreal like the locker room was great too but i mean these guys like the way i mean it was a pleasure to just being part of training and seeing some of these guys like we had like guys like Ray so who played at Boca Juniors and Kevin Molino who is also a fellow in uh, Trinidadian plays in the national team like, I mean just seeing those two in training play together was just I mean it's a pleasure to watch and you see these guys play so yeah that was I mean that was another good experience there I had unfortunate injury I was playing I, I had a couple games and picked up an injury uh tore my meniscus so that kind of forced me out and um yeah that was that was tough towards the end of the year just you know having that injury and then just being forced out of the team but i'm happy i was able to land in philadelphia right now and another great team young like really successful they want to support us last year so i mean i'm coming to a team that's like really successful and like ready to go and like we're playing in concaf champions league right now so i uh, you know i'm this i'm obviously soaking in all, all of this and you know it's been a different experience at each i'm happy i've been able to meet all these people because i'm kind of like collectively putting all these, t- these together these experiences and it's kind of like making me grow as a person and like to see the different sides of football and like just kind of build who i am as a person using all these experiences
2: well said well said so i know besides you being a player uh in, in soccer or football if you want to go european on me Besides you playing the sport, I know you're also a huge fan. I know we were talking earlier, your team is is uh, Real Madrid. And of course, the news around them and then the big six of England and the big three of, of Italy being this. What they tried to make a, a breakaway league called the European Soccer League, which would have 15 permanent teams when there was only 12 that were currently signed on. And then five rotational spots, which which would have to be earned. But then, say you're one of those five teams that got in, you won that league that year. You would then be kicked out, which would make it's a whole goes against all European soccer's foundations. But what are I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: So obviously, I didn't think it was a good idea. I think it's it's extremely greedy from the owners to like put something together like that. Um The only thing I will say about it like obviously I don't like the idea of the Super League. I mean obviously it'd be cool to see the top teams always play against each other but like then it takes away like if you're like it takes away from like, like Champions League and like you know you wait all year and like these teams earn their spot and earn the right to play each other. You know what I mean? So that aspect yeah like I I just didn't think it was a good idea but the one thing I will say is that all the media that was around this, like FIFA was so against it and they brought so much energy to shutting it down. But like, I just want to see them. And like, I've seen a lot of players come out about this. Um, And it's like, where's that energy towards the other issues in football? Like all automatically, like when someone is hurting FIFA's pockets, it's like they're on it. Like they are loud and they're in the media trying to shut it down. But I want to see that energy towards the racism in football, the inequality in football and all those other issues so that was my that was my only thing about it like yeah super league is bad but like the way FIFA react about it like and how much energy energy they can put into something it kind of made me wonder like okay if you if you have the capacity to, to do that and shut down something like that why don't you do that for the other issues in football that are way bigger than money like money is like yeah yeah there's like financial fair play and like yeah there's a lot of greed in football but like you I mean, when you see somebody's, like, things with the racism and uh, and all that, it's, like, I want to see that same energy shut that down, too. So that was my only – it's not – I mean, it's indirectly related to, this, to the Super League issue, but it's more of, like, a FIFA issue, I guess.
2: I, I think you raised a good point there because, like, I'm just – FIFA and UEFA, they often, like, in previous to this whole European Super League, were always seen as, like, the bad guy to the fan. It's, like, they just want more money. They just want this. They just want – that and they're not doing enough, and then the these twelve teams break away, and now all of a sudden the twelve teams are the enemy, and UEFA and FIFA are the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, you're right. Like they they rallied, like they were going to ban the players from playing in Euros and and in the World Cup, and like they had all these precautions and got like all the media and fans on board. No, they went all out at these twelve clubs to stop this thing, and yeah. That energy, you're right. It's not being put into where things actually matter, like the racism in, in football. And I know, speaking from a fan of the Italian game, like Mario Balotelli, one of the the great uh, Italian players, he's black. He played for his hometown team last season, and he was getting booed and racial slurs yeah. in his
1: hometown. His hometown. I'm telling you, like, I want to see. The, I want to see them take that out of the game. Like, that's. I want to see them go hard like they did to the super league on the, on, on that. You know what I mean? That's what I want to see. So, I mean, you're completely right. Like you see ball in his own, his own town. Like, I mean, even like a couple of weeks ago, there was another instance. I think I it, it might've been, I can't remember what league it was in. Maybe Germany. I don't know. Can't remember, but another one, like it just, it's too frequent. You know what I mean? It's way too frequent for that not to get shut down. So I think that's a big, big issue people need to solve. I think I think you just
0: exposed the real issue, like we just said, the real problem. And it'll be interesting to see if people, because they've been given what they want now, like it's almost like giving a dog a bone. It's like, okay, now you're not getting it. I want to see if they'll still pay attention and dive deeper and realize that aspect, right? It's like the thing, it's not always what's at the surface. It's what's actually underneath. And what you just said requires a little bit more thinking which I find some people generally don't like to do. They just take whatever clickbait is there. And this is coming from a player's perspective as well. So you have a little bit more internal knowledge and personal experience with that as well. So that also helps into the insight. But it was very good insight.
2: So we touched on it earlier too with the new Canadian Premier League. uh, You mentioned um, the growth of of USL, which I'm going to explain for uh the hockey listeners uh it's like the ahl the american hockey league uh where it's basically kind of like a junior um league to the top tier um so second tier i believe in the pyramid um and so yeah like the emergence of the canadian talent of course you like alfonso davies and uh, jonathan david are now big stars in europe and you have other canadians making a big in um mls actually your buddy from louisville Mark Anthony K. Yep. Kay. yep. Uh, he's killing it with LAFC. So what's like what are your thoughts on on Canada getting stronger and like I said earlier World Cup 2022 here we come.
1: Yeah, that's great man. The CPL it's 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 great that they have that like just to have, you know, proper infrastructure in Canada so that, you know, the grassroots program, you know, you you grow up and you play through your youth and then you get to that age where you you know you're becoming get to the men's level. And it's like before the CPL was there, where where could you where could you go? It's either you went to the NCAA, but if you didn't have the grades for that, then you have you'd have to try and find a pro contract somewhere. So you saw a lot of guys go to like really low divisions in Europe where like it's hard to get a chance there, like no one's looking at you. And so like it was tough, man. So now that the CPL is there, you're seeing a lot of young players. Like, I mean, they have a draft that, you know, they, I'm not sure how much, you know, weight they put in that, but there's a, there's at least a draft system where like they bring kids out of like U of T and all the other universities and colleges in Canada. And obviously, like, I could speak from like Forge's standpoint. I mean, the head coach used to be the head coach used to be the president. And this, the head of uh, Sigma FC, which is, like, one of the largest academies um, in Ontario. And you see so many of those guys playing on Forge FC. And it shows, like, the path. They, like, they started off with, like, UA, U9, U10, build them all the way up into the program. And they have they have a place to go, have a place to to play in. And when they get to 18, 19, they're not struggling. They have more options. And the league's – I mean, the league looks great. Like, they have all the media, you know – set up right like this it's packaged really nicely um obviously it's still growing i think they're gaining more talent every single year um they're getting more teams i mean ottawa was a new one last year and i'm sure they're looking at other and that that's with the backing of atletico madrid too Back, look at that like atletico madrid like have their staff there i think right now they're actually in madrid like those players are in madrid right now doing preseason i'm sure they're playing like friendlies against these teams, like, like how many years ago you, I wouldn't, that was not, that did not exist, you know? So it's, it's, it's great to have these teams in, in, you know, in our backyard and, you know, just have a professional games other than obviously TFC, Montreal, Vancouver, but like, how hard is it to get into those teams? It's three teams in North America or, or in Canada, you know, because one of the big issues that we have in the MLS is Canadians count as internationals. When you go to, when you want to play for like a Philadelphia union, if as a Canadian, I would count as an international. Now I have my green card, so I don't, but like that closes the door for so many Canadians, because if you count as an international, you know who you're competing with for international spots, the top talent in South America, top talent in Europe competing with all these big names. that are coming in and Nani, pato like look at these guys coming into the league like, that doesn't even make sense sorry to sorry to interject
0: that doesn't even make sense because there's canadian teams that should be considered domestic oh. trust me. i think it's, it's
2: because mls is an american league oh. if if i'm going to make sense of it yeah I, I i don't understand but still but still how do you have
0: how do you have canadian teams and say they're considered international like in if you look at hockey like we consider players born in canada and north america like they're like North America and then there's Europe. So, like, Europe we consider the internationals, right? We When someone comes over from True. Finland, Sweden, but the NHL started in Canada there, right?
2: and expanded to the US in a way, right? Whereas MLS started oh, in the US and then added Toronto as the first franchise in 2007 outside of the US.
1: Yeah. Yeah. True. Good point. But, the, but you know what, though? The Americans don't count as internationals on toronto and vancouver montreal they count as domestics so like it, it shuts this it just closes off so many doors because like i remember when i was it, in my uh it was yeah in 2018 like in a, the second championship run after the first championship i was getting some mls interest and i was so clo- i was actually close to going with mark anthony over to lafc and domestic status like i counted as a national and they couldn't i mean they're not going to use an international uh, spot on me at the time. So uh, I went, I did another year in, in Louisville and uh, you know, my old coach went to Orlando and he brought me with, cause he believed in me. He believed that I, you know, I could like in international spot or not, like I can play at this level. So he took the chance and like gave me an international spot. And because of that, I was able to get my green card. But I mean, how many times does that happen? Like you get a young Canadian player, Getting a it, taking up an international spot in the MLS that doesn't happen often at all because you're competing with these South, like, look at these South American talent that you're bringing in. Like, every team is looking for that in the next young South American or maybe an next player from Europe. Like, the competition for those international spots are ridiculous. And nowadays, teams are trading these international spots for like all this money. It's like $225,000 general allocated money just for international spot. Teams are like, using that as like leverage. So it's crazy. I think that the rule needs to change. And that's, I mean, it just makes it much more tougher for Canadians. So to have like things like the CPL and all that, like it helps out to get, you know, have a professional environment for them to go into when, when the MLS closes the door. Well said,
2: well, like you just, like you mentioned, I know TFC, they just picked up a Venezuelan who was playing in uh, Brazil at Santos and he's only 23. Yeah, he's only like, 23, yeah. and he's supposed to be this yeah. this great player already. And they just use – I think they use a designated player. player. spot. Oh, yeah. So that puts him on even higher status.
1: Yeah, that is what you're competing with. Like, it's, it's, it's not just North America. Like, these scouts, like, what I mean, how the MLS has grown, like, if you go into the office and you just see all these scouts and all the video that they're doing, like, they are watching games constantly they know all these players like it's it's crazy the network of players these have and the gms are on the phone they're looking for the best talent so you know you're competing with like now nowadays like within mls you're competing with the best like it's a very attractive league it may not be the most talented league like in compared to like england and france and italy but it's a very competitive league where it's growing big time and like the life here is great like you're living in some of the greatest cities in north america like it's, a, it's an attractive league for people to come to. So it's it's only getting tougher to, like, get into these teams. So, yeah, that's the competition, getting getting onto the rosters now, nowadays.
2: Well, I think uh, that's going to about do it. we got one more question, which I think you've touched on a few times as we've been talking. But with all the experiences you've had so far in your career, is there any advice – that you would give to a kid or a youth that's trying to come up and make it big in soccer?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, everything is in your hands. Like you can control everything. And like, I know there may be roadblocks around the, around, like along the way, like, and, you know, you may run into, you know, like it it can get tough at times, but just know that you can control everything. And like, you just need to grind through it, hustle, work as hard as you can because everything will pay off And, and just know that, you know you cannot rely on other people to do things for you although you may be extremely talented you cannot wait on the sidelines waiting for that call or waiting for you know a coach to send you a connection or send you somewhere like you need to put you need to take that first step and to put your 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 front foot forward and and do put things into your own hands and and take things into your own matters because that i mean even at the mls level like, if, if you guys knew what I had to go through this year to, like, find a team, like, I was emailing MLS GMs myself, like, trying to trying to figure out something. So, even, even now, at an MLS level, like, I'm still reaching out to GMs and making connections and, like, trying to put myself in a good position. So, young kids listening, like, you need to take matters into your own hands and, like, you control everything. Work hard and, and, and the outcome, you know, you'll get the outcome that you want. So, that's what I'd say. Well said.
2: Manny, you want to take us home?
0: Yes, sir. Yeah, no, that was um, great advice there at the end. And um, thank you again, man, for joining us. This was a great episode. You touched on a lot of great points and had some pretty cool stories there in there as well. Um, we'd love to have you again on sometime in the future, maybe next season, season after that, maybe after a little MLS Cup ring in the future. That would be nice.
1: That would be nice.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in and listening. As always, we appreciate you guys. Um, for Corey, Matt, Corey, and Matt, I'm Mandela signing off. Thank you again to Greg Ranjit Singh of the MLS's Philadelphia Union for today. And you guys know what's next.
2: Hey!